coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. She's been struggling with weight for so many years. Are you and your husband overweight? Are you all super fit? We are fit. Because she does ask me, Mommy, you got to help me. Please help me. I don't want to be this way. But then when I do help her, then she gets upset with me. The question she's asking you is, Mommy, why don't you love me? Hey, everybody. What's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. show where we talk about your marriage, parenting, emotional health, your mental health. I've been walking alongside hurting people for two decades. Whether your marriage has fallen apart, whether you're, you've suffered deep loss, whether you just don't know the next right thing to do, or things are pretty good, you just think, man, I think they could be better. This show is made up of real people making phone calls and talking to, we talk to each other, real people going through real trying times. And I don't know anybody, myself included, who's not dealing with trying times right now. It's a mess out there. And instead of yelling and screaming and pointing fingers and throwing nonsense, garbage advice at each other, on this show, I promise I'm going to sit with you. We'll figure it out. And I got two PhDs. If I don't know the answer, I've got some friends that do. Um, On today's show, I've got a special guest coming in to talk to us about holiday eating. We're going to get real and talk about hard stuff. And that's the promise here. If you want to be on the show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. It's 1-844-693-3291 or go to johndeloney.com slash ask. Guess what I did last night? That's probably a bad way to frame that because you never know. I rewatched <laughs> with some friends and some other folks. Hi ho, the original Hanky the Christmas Hanky Pooh. Hanky the Christmas Pooh. Masterpiece. Wow. Yeah, it was old school, like 20 years ago. Oh, longer than that. Said the oldest person I know. Wow. So good. That was I believe that was before I moved to Nashville. And yeah. I've been here since 2000. I was in college. Yeah. So we're talking 2530. Wow. You're older than you think you are. Howdy. I was a toddler. I was no, a toddler. You weren't. I was a toddler. Uh, all right. So um, if they're not sold out yet, and I keep saying that, but they, I bet they're, I bet they're gone. Um, if they're not, get online and pick them up. The Questions for Humans Christmas edition. And we got the New Year's edition. New Year's is my favorite holiday of the year. Where the whole country, the whole world's like, ah, you get a mulligan. Like, ah, I fell off the wagon last year and did a bunch of terrible things. Like, but it's New Year's and everyone's like, cool, let's do it again. I love New Year's. There's a New Year's deck. There is a Christmas deck. If the Christmas deck's not sold out, it sells out every time. But let's run through a couple of of questions from the Christmas deck, Kelly. All right. Which gift from the 12 days of Christmas would be an actual nightmare to receive and which would be awesome? Go ahead. Well, the awesome, I would think, you know, five golden rings because <laughs> money bags McGee over yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, jewelry. You know, who doesn't love some jewelry? Gosh. Awful would probably be most of the rest of them. Um, yeah, all the birds. All the birds. I don't know that I want 10 Lords of Leaping in my house. Um, You make us a leap all the time. <laughs> but you're not at my home. That is true. You make us do it at the like, office, leaping. which is super HR issue, but yeah, whatever. Um, Seven swans of swimming. I'm not real sure where I'd put them. Yeah. And I bathtub. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, at least like four French hens. Okay, great. We're having chicken for dinner. <laughs> but I don't. I don't really know what I would do with pretty much anything from like six to to twelve. Yeah, I think that song is just about like it's like in a 
a poultry appreciation song. I'd probably take the rings too, just or to appease I, you. I, I would take a partridge in a pear tree because I can plant a tree. That's nice. You can. When's the last time you planted a tree? Um, earlier this fall. Here we go. It's people do it. <laughs> Not hard. <laughs> people do it, but does Kelly do yes. it? Yes. Kelly right. Kelly works at the I yard. would take the rings too, and I would just give them to you, and then that would be like a, a, a yell-free day for me, which would be cool. Whatever. It'd be an anger-free day. All right, yeah, next one. All right, go ahead. What is one place, real or fictional, let's do one place real and one place fictional, Excellent. that you would love to visit during Christmas time? Oh, man. I would love to visit um, Ireland. I don't know why. I just think like, <laughs> well, A, I'm going to say something. I don't know if it's real. But I, if if like giant red stags and, and reindeer live there, Probably not. I feel like I want to see that in the wild. I just feel like it'd be beautiful there. I think you'd probably be closer to like northern Scotland. Of course, you don't know the difference between Scotland and Ireland. We've determined that before. I mean, arr, matey. Or <laughs> it pirate. all ends up in a pirate. <laughs> yeah, playing bagpipes. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I want to go to Ireland, Scotland. Okay. Yeah. What about fictional? That place is, those are real places. So what about fictional? Uh, I wouldn't mind spending Christmas at Hogwarts. It looks like they they yep. it looks like they decorated up nice. There's food yeah. everywhere. There's like dragons and snakes and looks stuff. Very fancy, yeah. That weird dude that with the big beard is hanging Hagrid. out. Yeah, big H. Like I think the whole thing would be pretty rad. Yeah, Hogwarts is my fictional, mm-hmm. no question. And then my real. So I got to go to England for Christmas once, and it's it is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I would like to go to Germany to the original Christmas markets. That's my goal. And they have a Krampus parade. <laughs> A Krampus parade? Yes. yes. And I really want to go. Ooh, I've got so many jokes I'm not making right now. What is the Krampus parade? Krampus. Jiminy Christmas. What is it? Krampus. K-R-A-M-P-U-S. Krampus. It's um, kind of a Victorian era and before. He was kind of the um, cohort to Santa Claus, but the opposite. So Santa brought good kids money or fruit or toys or whatever, Krampus uh, put the kids in a bag, yeah. beat them with a stick, and then drug them to hell. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, that's the name of our band, Will. Krampus. Uh, there's actually a horror movie called Krampus, and I have a Krampus doll. Of course you do. Dressed as Do you Santa worship Claus. it? I can no. imagine you worshiping no. the Krampus doll. No. No. No, but it's a, it's a German folk tale and they do an actual parade and it's like a thing over there and I would love to go see it just in person would be cool America you think I make this stuff up about her I don't I may fudge the uh, I may I may exaggerate a bit on her tattoo game no tattoos zero mm. lie.com.net.org but she does murder alright let's go out to H-Town and talk to Jason. What's up, Jason? What's going on, Dr. John? What up, man? How we doing? Oh, pretty good. How are you? Good, good, good. What's up, brother? Hey, so um, I'm finding myself at 52, pretty much in complete rebuild mode. Tell me about it. So the last couple of years, I, uh, I struggled with alcohol. I uh, lost a really good job. I lost a wife. Uh, during that time, I got a DUI. Um, going through that process and I, right now I'm doing real good. 
I uh, been sober eight months almost. Hey, all right. And uh, I'm 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 doing fairly well. Uh, I, during that time, also, I did not make some uh, so good uh, financial decisions. Yep. So I'm pretty much by myself. Not by myself. I have my children, but uh, just by myself, just kind of rebuilding and just looking to uh, see or, or go through the process of. Of, of trying to do this and, and just to get in a better place. Yeah, man, dude. Like, I can't tell you how proud of you I am. No, and, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, that. hold on here. Like, I don't, I'm not just blowing that off. I don't want you just to like deflect it because you're good at that. You've probably been deflecting that your whole life. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly good at that. You're yes. great at it because you don't believe it. You think I'm lying to you. So here's how I'm not lying to you. Um, you got hit so hard. Actually, you're a boxer that got knocked out. Stone knocked out. And that's when most go, dude, I'm, this is, I'm not in for this. And you slowly picked yourself back up off the canvas. And now you're standing up, you're clear-eyed, and you're have one hand on the top rope, and you're thinking about climbing back in the ring. That is courage, brother. That is courage. That is courage. And most uh, men quit, and you're not. So I'm not blowing smoke at you, dude. I'm not blowing smoke at all. It's pretty impressive. Um, you, so when you say you lost your wife, uh, did she leave you or did she pass away? Uh, she left me. Okay, so you lost a job, you lost your wife, you you kind of soft pitched. I kind of struggled with alcohol a little bit, and then I lost everything. So I'm guessing you didn't just kind of struggle with alcohol a little bit. Tell me a little bit about that. No, uh, not alcohol has has uh, pretty much been a part of my life, uh, my adult life. How come? Uh, then it got it got just it was just the norm. I know, but but most of us, most folks who drink like that that's the way their bodies figured out how to not deal with how bad life hurts so what does life uh, hurt man you know uh i'm still in that process dr john uh, i i think i i struggled uh, a lot as a child um uh, uh my real dad he uh he really didn't have anything to do with me uh, and i was adopted early by the man who i call my father who um, who adopted me when I was six, married my mother, and um, not a terrible childhood, but it wasn't it wasn't the best either. But I, I never really fit into. I've always felt like I never really fit into his family, and um, just struggled with uh, the acceptance part of things. And um, I, I guess I just dealt with it in my own ways throughout the years, and. And never really addressed it, you know, until now, you know, it just, now is when I'm really, really wanting to sit down and, 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 and figure out what's really going on. Why, why I've been that way so for, for so many years. I, I, I can't answer the whole question, but I can get pretty dang close. I'm sure you haven't done this, but I hope at some point you will, but I need to go back for just a second and talk to six-year-old Jason who is holding the hand of a man who's not his daddy, but a man who's saying, I'll step in the gap here if it's what it takes for me to marry your mama. 
and everyone around you cheering and you're supposed to be happy about that. Yeah. And God bless him. You put food on the table. It never felt like home, but at least you had a roof and you had food. Yeah. But that six-year-old little boy is still haunted by that one damning question, which is, Daddy, what was so bad about me that you left? Yeah, he was just, he was never there to begin with. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I, and I didn't, I didn't find out who he actually was till I was like 27. Yeah, but he was a ghost. That. He was a ghost. Right, right, exactly. But you've got your own kids, right? Yes, four did, of them. Did you walk out on them? Oh, no. Yeah, you can't even wrap your head around it, can you? I hadn't, um, I hadn't always been the best dad, but I've... Hold on, none I've, of us have. Never, none of us have. Yeah. We've all struggled, but listen, don't evade it. You can't imagine walking out on your kid. No, no. How the hell did your old man walk out on you? Yeah. Right? Yes, sir. And one magic thing about alcohol is it plays a pretty good chemical proxy to connection. And so when we're lonely, when our body's screaming at us that someone's going to leave, someone's going to leave, alcohol does make that go away for a while until it kills us, right? Until it blows up everything. Right. Like I used to tell people for years, the worst part about alcohol is that it works until it yeah. doesn't, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I'll probably give you several things I want you to do for homework at, by the time this call's over, but I want you to write a letter by hand on notebook paper on a yellow pad, go to Walgreens or Walmart or something, get a yellow pad. And I want you to write a letter to six-year-old Jason and tell that little boy it was not his fault. His daddy walked out because something was wrong with his daddy, not him. That was a good kid that deserved to have his old man around. Take him to Oilers games and Astros games, even when they were terrible back then. <laughs> right? Yes, sir. Until you let that little six-year-old boy stop fighting for you, you're going to always have that gap. And then you got to deal with, you're 56, right? 52? How old? 52. 52. Yeah. So this part sucks, right? At 51 and a half, you decided, I'm done. I'm getting sober. I'm about to lose. I've lost almost everything. True. It's time. And there's that moment when it's like the Rocky song is playing. And you found yourself, you're like 100 pounds overweight. You go to the gym and you do that one hard workout. And then you look in the mirror the next morning, you kind of look exactly the same. Yeah, and, and I struggle with that too, Dr. John. I, I struggle with what I call uh, the need for uh, instant transformation for instant gratification. There you go. You know, uh, yep. and I, I don't see the results as fast as I would like to see. That's yeah. right. And you're coming up on the holidays. Holidays going to be lonely this time around, aren't they? I'm 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 making things uh making plans to spend a lot of hope with my kids. Good. So, Dude, I'm so yeah. gosh, I'm so freaking proud of you. And believe it or not, there's one other thing, Dr. John. What's that? Uh so Mother's Day of this past year, I actually lost my mother. Oh my gosh. And I haven't I haven't even found a way to grieve her. Um we had uh, not not a real strong relationship towards the end. Uh there were some things that happened in the past with her that I wasn't real proud of or held against her. Mm -hmm. And I just haven't, I hate to say this, but 
at the time when she passed, I almost felt relieved. Yeah. Hey, don't, don't, that's, that's a very common response. And then you probably felt guilty for feeling relieved, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it just goes in a circle. And so here's a, this isn't going to heal it, but this is a good way to start. It's a way to get out of the starting blocks. Okay. Do you have a pen with you? I do. All right. I do. You have to write three letters to mom over the course of about three weeks, one a week. Okay. Okay. One of the letters is how much I miss you. How much I miss you, mom. I went through hell this last year. My wife left. I lost my job. I'm finally getting sober and clean, and I miss you. I'm okay. always going to miss you. Love, Jason. And I want that to be a couple of pages. I want you to remember some fun stuff y'all did as kids, how she held it together after your dad left. I want you to remember some good stuff. The second letter is, unfreaking believable mom. And I want you to tell the truth. When I was a kid, you, right? I want you to go all the way through the hard stuff. The anger. Dear mom, I'm really mad. And you know the things that she did that you held against her, that all that stuff, I want you to get that on paper. And here's the third letter. Dear mom, I'm sober now. I'm growing up. Here's what you're going to miss. You're going to miss watching your boy rise from the ashes. You're going to miss your boy becoming the best dad of all time. You're going to miss your boy becoming a success story, going to the gym, getting his finances in order, meeting somebody new, being the greatest dad who shows up for his kids, and then being the best granddad that ever lived. Okay? Yeah, I just, uh, I just had my, um, my oldest daughter just had my second grandson. There you go. So I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. Yes. And I don't want to say this is a chance to do it over, but this is kind of a chance to reimagine it, right? Absolutely. There you go. Yep. I'd love for you to start writing that little, those two little grandkids letters. So they have 18 years with the letters from granddad. Okay. And let me tell you this. My grandmother passed away a couple years ago. I have tattooed on my arm. The last card she sent me in her handwriting, it says, we love you. And I had them lift that, that handwriting and permanently put on my body. That's how much it meant to me, that letter from my grandmother. And I want your grandkids to have a, a, a whole thing. And when your grandkids get into some trouble when they're middle school and high school, which they will, I want you to be able to sit down with them in your 60s and go, hey, we're going to coffee. We're going to pan- get pancakes at Waffle House. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about some stuff I went through. And you're going to redeem your story. Those bricks you're carrying around, you're going to take them out of your backpack and set that crap down. It's over. And then you're going to pave the sidewalks that those kids walk on, on your story. See what I'm saying? Yes, sir. This is legacy, brother. This is how you change your family tree. Now, I've, I've thrown a bunch of like Instagram-y stuff at you. I'm going to make it pretty concrete, okay? <laughs> is that cool? Okay. Awesome, yes. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to load you up. But if I load you up, you got to send those, uh, you got to send those letters, right? Absolutely. All right. I'm going to send you both of my Wall Street Journal best-selling books. Go I have them. You got them? You already got them? I've already got them. All right. I ain't sending you nothing then. <laughs> All right. So you already got them. I got them. I'm going to send you Financial Peace University for free. I got that too. You got Have you used it? <laughs> I'm starting January. Are you going to actually do it? Yes, sir. Do you have every dollar? 
Uh, yes, I signed up for all that. Okay. I'm giving you nothing then. What do you need? What can I do? I, I, just, I guess I just needed a, 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 just a voice of reassurance. That's what I needed. What do you really need? Just, you know, I needed another man to tell me that I was heading in the right direction. Jason, you're swimming upstream of a culture that tells you you're washed up, a culture that tells you you're a failure, a culture that tells you ain't worth a dime. You're absolutely worth it, every step you take. Are you going to drink again? No, sir. No, sir. You got a job? I do. I do. It's a good job. Okay. We're going to hang on to that job? Hey, I'm I'm gonna hang on to it, but I'm also uh, I'm I'm gonna look for something else that may be a little bit better. Okay, I I believe in my skills and and, and my knowledge and. Uh, but I you're gonna be about you're gonna be about serving the customer, taking care of people, solving problems. You're gonna do work with excellence, oh, I, right? Absolutely, that's what I do. Excellent. That's what I do. And you're gonna get that debt paid off, so you're free. Nobody owns Jason. Right. Exactly. You're going to write each one of your kids a letter and say, hey, I wasn't the best dad, but I love you guys and never, ever doubt it. I was going through some tough stuff. It was never about you guys. And I'm spending the rest of my life being the best father that ever existed. Yeah, you're worth it. You're worth every step of it, my brother. Every single step. I got something you don't have. Aha. We're going to send you grandparents and grandkids. The questions for humans deck. I'm going to mail that out to you. And that way you can chit-chat with your grandkids. One of them's going to be way too young. But you can still chit-chat with them. Go for that. And, man, I'm so proud of you, dude. 52, having to look in the mirror and start over. Deal with your DUI. It's going to be expensive. Be honest with the judge. Take care of your business there in Houston. Don't ever drink and drive. Don't put other people at risk. You're better than that. Don't put you at risk. Let's make all the changes. Let's go get them. 2024 is the year Jason continues his journey. Eight months in for the rest of your life, my brother. I'm so proud of you. We'll be right back. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest? Maybe it's a deep secret that you've never told anyone, or maybe it's something that happened to you, or maybe it's something you've done and you're deeply ashamed about it. You're worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption in every part of your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this always, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start or even how to say these things. Therapy is a safe and effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get these heavy things off my chest and figure out what to do next. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time, and it doesn't cost any extra money. Listen, it's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. 
All right, let's roll out to Tampa, Florida and talk to Amy. Hey, Amy, what's up? Hey, Dr. John. Thanks so much for taking my call. Of course. What's going on? Hey, so I'm going to go ahead, if it's okay, and read the letter that I submitted. Um, How do I know when to let my 13-year-old daughter control her own health and nutrition? She's been struggling with weight for so many years. We have tried everything. Um, You tell parents how we put bricks in our our kids' backpacks all the time. So how do I help her? Do I stop? And if she gains 600 pounds, do I make it her choice? I'm tired of talking about food and exercise all the time, all the time. She can't put a piece of food in her mouth without feeling judged. So I'm not looking for nutrition or exercise help from you. How do I let my daughter know she is seen and she is loved and she is not judged? Where does she get that message that she's being judged? Um, well, I've noticed over the past year or so that, um, she goes and eats in her room. She'd prefer to eat in her room because then she, she actually said, if I go and I have my meal in my room, then I can eat in peace. And I don't feel like someone's looking at me, whether it's me or whether it's dad or her brothers. Um, because of her weight gain over the years, I'm trying to help her with portion control and, you know, better choices and making sure we have healthy food. Um, but I just feel like just her personality, her demeanor, she just, I don't know. She just, she gets mad. She asked me if I get mad at her, like if she's still hungry and she wants seconds, she's like, well, are you mad because I want seconds? Are you mad because I put too much salt? Are you mad because I chose, you know, I don't know. I just, um, how long have you been after her for this? Years, at least four years. She's probably gained a hundred pounds in the last four years. What changed in her life four years ago? Um, school got rough and COVID made it, you know, worse. Um, so she was home a lot, had a lot more access to food and it can be healthy food. It's not just, you know, junk food that she loves to eat. It can be healthy food that she just likes what, to what eat. Happen- what happened at home? Um, I don't know. I've thought about that because I, I had a feeling you'd ask. I can't really pinpoint any particular thing. Um, that may have caused it. Are you and your husband overweight? Are you all super fit? We are fit. We are fit. And um, she knows that I had struggled with weight when I was her age and kind of got that together 30 years ago. And yes, we are very, and that's the thing. We try to set a model for her that we have healthy foods. Her brothers are fit. We all exercise daily. Um and then, you know, I've encouraged her. It has to be something she likes to do. I like to run. She's not a runner. Her dad's not a runner. So I'm like, let's do something fun. We've put her in classes, gymnastics. We play tennis. We dance. She's big into theater. Um, I just, I don't know. And I guess, I guess what I really need your help with is, is do I just let her do her own thing? Because I, I find myself every time she is eating, looking at what she's eating and how much she's eating because she does ask me, mommy, you got to help me. You want to, please help me. I don't want to be this way. But then when I do help her, then she gets upset with me because she doesn't like what I have to say. Or if I restrict her and tell her, that's because that's not the question she's asking you. Okay. The question she's asking you is mommy, why don't you love me? Hmm. And kids don't know how to ask that question. And so they say, are you proud of me? Do you like my straight A's? Did you see that goal I scored? Mm-hmm. 
Did you see how I lost five pounds? They're not asking you to look at the scale or look at the soccer ball. They're saying, am I in finally mm -hmm. enough? Am I enough now? Yeah. And whether it's genetic, whether it's learned behavior, whether it's all of that stuff combined, it sounds like your daughter's been asking for a long, long time. Do y'all love me? And when she gets an answer that's conditional, mm -hmm. she goes to the behavior Again, whether learned, whether genetic, whether whatever, um, that makes her body, her shoulders drop finally. And then mm -hmm. it starts the shame spiral again. And then she starts saying, does anybody see me? Does anybody love me? It's kind of like, I don't know if your husband does this, but when you say, man, I had a really rough day. And your husband says, well, let's just call him. Let's call him right now. And let's tell your boss that he's not hearing you. Because what you're saying when you say I had a really rough day is not, I had a really rough day, and since you're so smart and wonderful, husband, will you solve my problems for me? That's not what you're saying. You're saying, do you, do you still love me? And mm -hmm. I think for a long, long, long time, your daughter's known she's not good enough. She's not doing, let me say it this way, she's not doing it right. Whatever it is. She's not doing life right. And she watches her brothers get praised. She watches you and your husband praise each other. And that little part of her body in her brain says, we're not welcome here. And so, no, I think it would be a, I think y'all have gotten into a dance over the last four years and probably started before this. And here's the dance. She comes in and gets something to eat. She catches you, you wince. She catches you glance out of the corner of your eye and she knows I'm being judged. I'm out of here. Or I'm going to eat this. And the only thing that makes her feel better is eating again. Because she doesn't have access to alcohol or cigarettes or sex or any of the other stuff that make the, that grown-ups use. Or busyness. And then when she goes into her room, she hears you. And is this enough, mom? Well, I wouldn't. It's just a dance. What y'all need desperately is professional intervention. Not on The food part will come. You'll have to address that. But what you really need is... She's got, y'all have to go through a season where she knows you and your husband love her no matter what. And that can't just be saying we love you. Yep. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I hate having this conversation with moms, especially because moms take this hard as though you failed something, right? Yes. And you try to make it right by over-controlling portions or over-controlling nutrition or over-controlling the other side of the equation, which just makes this dance spin faster. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, if you take your hands off the wheel, it's not good parenting. Right. And so you find yourself stuck. And so what I would tell you to do is you got to learn a new way to interact with your baby. Yep. Now, as I'm saying this, does that ring true or tell me I sound like I'm out to lunch? No, it does. It does ring true. And um, I've tried a couple of different counselors. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of therapy, Dr. John, until I started listening to your show. Why weren't you, why a, weren't you a of, fan? I'm not, I just, I was raised, you know, we fix it in the house. You know, I was raised in a Christian home and, you know, we pray about things and we fix it um, within our home. And, and that's it. Um, Gosh, dude, that's so damaging. I hope you know that now. Yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot of things, and um, it's just such a different relationship, though, the way I was raised. And I, you know, as as a parent, you try to do the right things that were right in your home. And um, 
you know, I've never had any issues with my boys as far as, you know, that kind of thing and parenting, but. Okay. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to use the word trauma and don't, don't over respond to that. Cause I'm not saying there's any trauma in your house. Okay. But I've mentioned, I think I mentioned this on the last episode I just shot. Um, one of the guys I did a practicum with gave me some language. He, one time I, we were look, talking about some, some kids we were working with and I said, well, that one's going to be okay. And he looked at me and said, hey, you know that straight A's can be a trauma response too. And some kids, their biology is heavy. Some kids, they're, um, they say, do you love me? And they set something on fire. And other kids go make perfect scores on things. And they say, do you love me? And we pat one on the head and we give, send one to college for free and we put the other one in jail. The response is the same. I'm sorry, the response is different, but the underlying pathology is the same. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and we have. I mean, I've, and even though, you know, I'm, I'm definitely open, I've learned a lot from listening to your show. And, you know, I have a friend that I've talked to that, you know, I basically said, you know, I just, gosh, I wish I could just fix her. I wish I could just fix the way that she wants to be. And I had a brave friend say to me one time, she's not broken. Yes. (laughs) Yes. She's not a project. She's not a project to be fixed. And so. Who told you that that about you? Uh, told me I was broken. Yep. Um, I grew up, I grew up with a father who was very critical of my weight. So yeah, that was, and my brother jumped on board a couple of times and, you know, thought it was okay because if dad said it and dad's in charge, you know, then it was, you know, I was like fair game in the house. So, but I, you know, I'm, I'm good. I've come to terms with all of that and I got it together, you know, probably in my twenties when I just, um, okay. it worked for me and I figured it out. Hold on. That's the language you got to be careful of. I quote unquote, got it together because then you pass that on your daughter, get it together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And often when guys go to AA and they quit drinking, they all start smoking. They trade one for the other. Mm. And if you traded food for, I'm in the gym seven days a week and I count every single morsel of everything, you just traded one for the other. You might live longer, but you're not. I can call you healthier metabolically. But you haven't addressed the core problem that your dad, you were never enough. Or your love to your old man was conditional on how you looked, how your plate looked. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And listen, Amy, this is a guy with two PhDs because I had a really, really savant smart sister and a brother who missed two questions on the ACT. And I've been desperately chasing the question, will y'all tell me I'm smart too? Because I was just a dumb jock. I've been chasing and chasing and chasing until finally I just quit and had to deal with it. And come to find out, it was a bunch of stupid stories I was telling myself. Yeah. But here's what we're doing. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, we have, I have, um, I, I got our counselor, came highly recommended, um, unfortunately she, about um, two months in. She doesn't sorry. need one. Okay. Y'all need and one. She will. And that's what I'm figuring out. She will. That it's not her. Yeah. Y'all, it's the dynamic in her home that she does not have the tools to address. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, why are you eating that? Or are you really hungry? Or can you substitute that for something healthier? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, what is her body trying to protect her from in her very own home? 
Okay. And it might be the way everyone's looking at her. Or it might be that she only gets talked to when she, after, after the workout's over. Or it might be dad, ugh, or she hears dad and brother making fun of the overweight girl on TV. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Her body is absolutely. trying to defend her in her own home. And if y'all had alcohol where she could access it, she, she's on her, she'll get it soon. And if she finds some boy to tell her that she's beautiful, she'll, man, she'll be all over that too. She just doesn't have access yet. This is about defense. This is not about your daughter's broken. And so maybe for a season, look at her and say, her body's working perfectly. What in the world is it trying to defend her from? And I'm also not one of these guys who says, like, is fall, jumped on this bandwagon. It, dude, our health in this country is a train wreck. Yeah. It's not good. And I'm not, I would be lying to somebody and dishonoring them if I said, not being obese is great. It's not. Every part of your day is harder. Every part. Okay, so that's not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying here is to get to that part in a healthy way, you'll have to address the system inside that home. And I think your daughter may be a, an alarm system for the home. Hmm. Does, that, does that ring true or no? Um, yeah, I think in some parts it does, but in, I, and I think, you know, that's, that's what I'm looking for. That's kind of the answer I was looking for, for you is I, I'm realizing there is nothing wrong with her. It's the way, you know, I see it or I address it or my husband sees it or my husband addresses it. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with her. So, but I just feel, I feel horrible that as her mom, she doesn't feel like safe in our home. Like I get that. I get that. I totally get that. I can't think of a more devastating thing to feel. And I mm -hmm. felt it because I was told that. And the people who told me that were right. I was a nuclear ball of energy in my daughter's body. A little bitty baby girl who was five years old, bebopping around my house said that dude is not safe. Hmm. I didn't hit her. I didn't yell. I don't raise my voice in my house. I was a great dad. But dude, I was a nuclear reactor. And so I think, I think the here's the conversation I think. I think the conversation begins with, um, hey, honey, I, I don't even know where to start other than we've created a home. It's just not safe for you. And we've wrapped it up in doing all the things perfectly, but in trying to achieve all the perfect things, we've made a very unstable house and I'm sorry. And I don't know what to do, but here's my promise. I promise I'm going to work on it. And I think your whole family needs to go to a family counselor, all of you together. And it has to be a family counselor that's willing to take you and your husband on. Because my guess is y'all are a force of nature and they need to be able to take y'all on. Anne needs to be able to honestly address your daughter because she does have some very unhealthy habits. It's both and. But I wouldn't send her to a counselor and be like, she just needs to get fixed. And I wouldn't go to counselor if I was you and just be like, I need the right thing to say to my daughter so she'll eat better. No, dude. Her body's trying to protect her from a house 
that lets her know, has let her know for a season, eh, you're not really enough for us. You got to fix some stuff. Then you'll be on the inside, like your brothers. And God almighty, I know how hard that is to hear. I've, I cringe as a parent saying that to another parent because I know how hard that is to hear. But the, the, the evidence is the pattern. For four years, you've tried a thing and it hasn't worked. And your daughter's put on 100 pounds in four years. Let's throw up our hands and say, okay, what I'm doing is not working. Let's try something else. But I know how devastating and, and um, um, fatal disordered eating can be. And so I would go see somebody ASAP, professional in your area. For you, for your husband, for your sons, and for that sweet girl of yours. And along the way, I want you to address the fact that you were only loved when you looked right to your dad. And let's let this thing stop right now. This is what legacy and family tree change looks like. Thanks for the call, Amy. We'll be right back. It is one of my most sincere honors to be partnering with an amazing supplement company. I'm talking about Thorn. Thorn is a world-class personalized and science-backed supplement and health testing company used by elite athletes, thinkers, doers, and world changers all over the globe. I've been taking Thorn for years, long before I was a YouTuber and a podcaster. It's where I get my creatine, my super EPA omega fish oil, and more. My kids take it. My wife takes it. Thorn is a staple in the Deloney household. Thorn is pure, third-party tested, and they are redefining what it means to live longer and healthier. And for Deloney Show listeners, Thorn is providing 25% off everything in their entire lineup. Go to thorn.com slash the letter U slash Deloney to open up your digital dispensary and the discount will be taken at checkout. That's thorn, T-H-O-R-N-E dot com slash the letter U slash Deloney. All right, we are back and we're talking eating around the holidays. Now, here's the, th- the deal. There's always um, ideas like YOLO, like, bro, you deserve it. You've worked hard this year. Eat everything. And also there's the other side, which is the, you never stop grinding 24-7, 365. I don't care what day it is. No celebration. You put the cookie down. And there's guys like me who are like, what? What? I like pumpkin pie and I like turkey and I like lots and lots of candy. I don't know what to do. So. I'm calling one of the smartest men on planet Earth when it comes to nutrition science. My great friend, Dr. Lane Norton, is here to talk us all through eating around the holidays. What's up, Lane? What's going on, John? How you doing, buddy? Dude, I'm doing great. Thanks for stepping out of your uh, Beefcake 2000 training session to talk with us, man. (laughs) Well, I, I left the deadlift bar. I'm going to go pick it right back up. No worries. <laughs> I left the deadlift bar. You know who said that today? Nobody but Lane Norton. Only. <laughs> Probably. I am unique. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what? I think that's going to be on your tombstone. Lane Norton. He was unique. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nothing else, brother. No, nah, it's going to be an amazing father and a guy who helped millions and millions of people change their life. Me being one of them, man. Um, hey, thanks for coming on. Can you, um, dude, just, I need some no nonsense, just straight to it. Mothers and fathers who are not in like the, yo, bro, not in the nutrition space, family sitting around the table, 
over Thanksgiving and into, uh, we're post-Thanksgiving by the time the show comes out, into the Christmas holidays. There's gifts, there's cookies, there's holiday parties, there's all the stuff. Can you give us some sort of common sense approach for navigating eating around the holidays? Yeah, so I think, you know, you kind of touched on it earlier. There's, there's like two spectrums, right? On, on one hand, you've got, hey, you know, one meal's not going to hurt you. Enjoy it. Don't worry about it. Have whatever. And on the other side of the spectrum, you've got, um, you know, grind 24-7, you know. So where in between these spectrums you fall kind of depends on, like, you know, what's your goals? What do you, what do you want to get out of this? Um, I, you know, I'm not a feelings-based person when it comes to this stuff. I'm very data-driven. And so, you know, on the one side, when people, people who say holiday eating is innocuous and don't worry about it, that's actually just not supported by the data. Um, if we look at the amount of weight people gain during adulthood per year, any, depending on the study you look at, anywhere from 50 to 90% of that comes in the six weeks from the end of November to the beginning of January, which is what? A holidays. Lane, so, don't don't say that. Okay, hold on real quick. Can you talk <laughs> in, can you talk directly into your phone, dude? Yeah, sure. So Oh perfect. Okay, is, hold on. I need you to stop saying what you're saying because what you're saying is I can do really good for most of the year and just kind of get off the rails between uh, October and Christmas. And the data says sure. that's where most adults gain most of their weight on an annual basis. That is correct. So <sighs> anywhere from fifty to ninety percent, and the research <laughs> suggests that they don't they don't really compensate the rest of the year. Most people kind of maintain the rest, the rest of the year, and the data is actually worse for people who are overweight or obese. They tend to gain even more weight during the holidays. Mm-hmm. And so, like obviously, you know, if you can just maintain, I love if you can just maintain during the holidays, you're kind of ahead of the game. Um, and I think that should be the goal for, for a lot of people, not trying to like lose fat during the holidays, but just focusing on like healthy maintenance. Um, but there's a lot of barriers in the way. The first off is if we look at the food that's eaten during the holidays, uh, like in data in the studies, it is actually more calorie dense than the food we normally consume. So you're, you're getting more energy per, you know, weight of food. Um, and then if we look at the data around eating in groups, What's really fascinating is when people eat by themselves, they eat significantly less than if they eat with a partner. And it's not a linear effect, but the more people that are involved in the eating, the more people tend to consume. It's like this behavioral trait we don't really quite understand. Oh, I understand it clearly. I feel awkward in social situations, especially around people I only see once a year. And one way I make myself feel better is by going and eating and eating (laughs) and going back to what you're saying about caloric density. You can't just eat sweet potatoes during the holidays. You have to put a metric ton of butter and marshmallows on them. (laughs) Duh. What's the matter with you? And you can't just have turkey like a serial killer. You have to have bread doused in turkey parts and then turkey juice like yeah, you're asking us to not be human, Lane. Right. And then if you look at, you know, it's not just one meal. We're t- really what we're talking about is a series of meals during the holidays. So without doing a, an actual thesis on this and, and giving your listeners some, some quick action things they can do, um, the first thing is, like, stay mindful. So that is, like, if you decide, hey, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm not going to worry about it. 
that's fine. The trade-off with that is you may gain some body fat. You probably will gain some body fat. If you say, if you're somebody who's a little more diet-attuned and you say, you know, I'm not really worried about that. I can take it off later in the year. That's cool. No problem. I think for most of us, we don't really have that mindfulness. We kind of go in like, we just jump out of the plane and we kind of hope we got a parachute on. So we'll kind of eat whatever, but then we just kind of send up a hope and a prayer that, you know, nothing bad happens. But but and, but but uh, the si- but the data tells us the science tells us and this is you talking to me you've never told me this before hold out by the way um, that most of us most of the time will put on fifty to ninety percent of our weight for the year in that those last few months and then we just hit a new plateau and we just maintain for the rest of the year and that's how you look up five years and ten years later and suddenly you're ten or fifteen pounds heavier than you were a decade ago you can trace this back to a big chunk of that being. Of course, the knickknacks throughout a week, throughout the year, but a big chunk of it is getting off the rails in the holidays, enjoying yourself, having fun at the holiday parties, having fun with family and friends on multiple parties, and then just holding steady the next year and then doing it again. And then holding steady the next year and just doing it again. Suddenly you wake up and you find yourself in a tough spot. That's good. That's correct. Um, oh, and again, like, you know, we're talking, we're talking about data. We're talking about averages. Right? Of course, of course. Of like course. I know there are some people who say, I didn't go right during the holidays. It was all during summer barbecues for me. Okay. Well, we're, again, we're talking about for the, for the average person. That's right. right. So what actually will say is to do, I think the first thing is realize that, you know, a lot of your Ramsey listeners are going to be familiar with keeping a budget. Yeah. You know, uh, calories are kind of, you know, kind of like a budget. Um, you know, so if, for example, you could be great with your, your calorie budget all week, but if you go crazy on the weekends, um, you know, it's still going to blow your budget, right? That's right. So you have to be mindful. Now, when it comes to holidays, again, we're talking about usually series of meals. So what I recommend to people is if you know that there's an event coming up, the first thing is like, if you know, you've got a dinner, don't, don't go out to breakfast that morning, right? right? And then don't have a really heavy lunch. Like, try to keep it lighter earlier in the day so that you've got, you got some more flexibility in your budget for later. Yes. Then when it comes to uh, your actual meals, you know, I don't, food order doesn't really matter that much. Some people make a big deal about it. But I would say, you know, when you're making your plate at a holiday meal, you know, most people aren't going to give you a bunch of guff. Because I know a lot of people say, well, I want my family to give me a hard times and I'm not eating. But can we make a plate that, you know, one, try to choose, like, leaner proteins. So maybe, like, you know, ham is actually relatively lean. Uh, and then white meat, turkey, or a mix of white and dark meat. So you've got some leaner proteins on there. You know, eat those first. They tend to be a little bit more satiating. can kind of dampen your hunger a little bit as you head into the more or less filling things. Um, you know, try to get some vegetables in there. That's also going to be filling. And then like, Hey, have some of the foods you want, have some of that, you know, sweet potato with butter, you know, have some of that stuffing and have some dessert, but you know, make, you know, just tell yourself one thing I tell people is, you know, just have one serving. Okay. You can have one serving feel like a totally normal human being and you, you know, listen to your satiety cues. Okay. If you feel full, there's no reason to keep eating. 
I think another thing to keep in mind is liquid calories. And this is where, you know, one, <laughs> alcohol consumption is higher during the holidays. Yeah. So if you know you're going to be drinking either alcohol or another form of liquid calories, um, those tend to not be, uh, those aren't really satiating. Liquid calories don't tend to satisfy us. So if you're not a big alcohol person, which, you know, if you're listening to the show, we probably don't recommend that. Right. You know, maybe focus on your food. And if you do want to have a couple drinks, Maybe you're stepping out and saying, okay, well, you know, I'm going to omit the starch today, or I'm going to omit the dessert today because I am going to have a couple of drinks. Like, these are trade-offs, right? Yes. Just like if you were doing a budget, okay, you know, um, I want to go take the wife out to dinner. It's going to cost, you know, 150 bucks. And so that means, you know, I'm not going and playing golf two, two days this month, something like that. Well, right? So you're, that, you're, you're that, exchanging out. That model... Um when you told me that privately, just in a private phone call, that model was transformative for me. When I began to think, yeah. oh, I've got $2,000 I can spend today. So it's not a matter of, can I eat that Cadbury egg or not? Of course you can. It's just going to cost you $600 and you only have 2000 <laughs> to spend. And do you want to have that steak that your wife is making tonight? Because that's going to cost you 1200 bucks because it's a ribeye and it's fantastic. Um now you're down to like an apple, right? So when I just begin to think of it as a budget, um, not in the dramatic way or a, I can't do this uh, kind of way, dude. And I love the advice. Um, man, when I, when I'm conscientious and I ask myself this question, am I really hungry or am I just eating? Yeah. Cause I'm uncomfortable. When I just ask myself yeah. that question, sometimes I'm like, nope. And I'm having that pie anyway. Fine. My rule is I never fall off the wagon, but sometimes I'll step off the wagon and roll around in the mud and climb back on. Fine. I've got to, I got to pay the piper on that one, but I find myself mindlessly eating around family and friends and awkward mm -hmm. situations. I don't know what to do with my hands. So I just grab something and that idea of there's a budget and am I really hungry right now? And dude, let's eat the proteins first, just as a simple, it's not going to solve all your problems in a dramatic YouTuber kind of way. But it does help, right? It does help fill me up a little bit and gets me going that way. So, dude, those are some great, great, great tips, man. Um, any last, like, one truth bomb you can leave us? You've already ruined my uh, yeah. Thanksgiving, so thanks. <laughs> and, and I would say, like, hey, like, you know, I'm not telling people you need to bring a food scale and track your calories or anything like that. Like, just, you know, mindful, reasonable portion sizes. If you're somebody that does struggle with, like, oh, you know, I like to have something in my hand, Okay, you can have water or, you know, <gasps> diet soda. <laughs> you know, God forbid. I know there's a lot of people who are really mad about this. We don't have time to cover the research, but if you want to take my word for it, the research in human studies where they control appropriately, 80% of studies show that diet soda is perfectly safe, and the 20% that don't are mostly weak correlations that have a lot of confounding variables. So... And if we're, if we're uh, using the Ron White analogy, which is shoot the alligator closest to the boat, <laughs> if that diet soda, even if it's not ideal, if it makes you more comfortable and you end up like not eating, you know, 2,000 calories of whatever, then that's a fair, that's a great trade-off. Dude, right? so, hey, I, again, I, I think that's my, that's my, that has been, um, you and I have talked offline using your carbon app, which is the best app in the game. Um, I've, I'm down 10 pounds. And it's not water. It's not keto water down. It is, it's 60 days slow losing body fat. And 
one of the things that's kept me in the game is either Coke Zero or Diet Coke or Stevia. And I know all the diet um, witch hunters are going to come after me for that. But the data is the data. Is it the most healthiest yeah. thing? No, not at all. But does it keep me on the path? Yes. And what I'm finding, here's what I'm finding. 60 days in, I'm using it less and less and less, right? As I make my transition, so. It's not like the enemy of progress be perfection. That, right. That's such a big thing. Yes. So many people feel like they've got to get this stuff completely perfect the first time around, and they won't let them. It's like, I've got a completely clean number sheet. And what ends up happening is when they ever, they get exposed to this kind of stuff, they go crazy because they haven't learned how to moderate. <laughs> and, and I think one more thing I'll, I'll add is, like, you know, if you fall off the wagon, so to speak, no shame. Don't beat yourself up. Figure out, you know, have a conversation like, why did this happen? What can I do in the future? And then move on. Um, and if you're going to have fun foods, pick foods you really enjoy. Don't yes. waste it on stuff that's just for grabbing stuff. And one more thing, limit your snacks. Try to limit your food to your meals. The research actually very clearly shows one of the biggest characteristics between people who lose weight and keep it off versus those that don't is people who lose weight and keep it off, they, on average, don't snack very often because snacks are less satiating and you tend to remember them less. In fact, when you look at the research, people underreport their caloric intake by about 50% on average. So, and by the way, they do the same thing to death. Right, 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 right. Um, so it's not that people are lying. It's just that we have rose-colored glasses. And when you, if you ask somebody, hey, what did you eat yesterday? You remember your meals. But you probably don't remember your snacks. The cookies and so, the Kit Kats and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, dude, that's, that's incredible. But, dude, I'm going to let you go. Dude, I'm so grateful for you. Get back to working out. Beefcake. Beefcake. But, dude, uh, thanks for being my friend. Um, for everybody out there, um, Please, if you're considering like, a, like, hey, I'm going to actually take this thing seriously to the next level and use data, Carbon App. The Carbon App is the best. It's what I use. It's what my manager uses. Kelly's got it. It's just the best. It's the best. Um, it's the best app. And I just recently, Lane, found the barcode scanner part of it that I don't even have to punch it in. I can just scan the barcode. It's amazing. All I have to say is thank you so much for being, A, one of the best in the business and a close friend and a guy that um, helps me through personal challenges that I have behind closed doors. I'm just really grateful for you. So this holiday season, be mindful. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. If <laughs> if you don't want to be around your family, don't just stand there mindlessly grabbing things and eating them. Go outside. Tell everybody you got to go. Go take a nap in the back room. Sing. I don't know what you got to do. Just be mindful. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we are back as we wrap up today's show. Everyone's favorite segment, Am I the Problem? All right, let's do it, Kelly. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. 
Am I the problem? My husband and I were talking about his cousin and the guy she married. They aren't doing well and both suffer from addictions. He doesn't have a job. My husband started to voice that he wanted better for her. Someone that would wine and dine her and take care of her. uh, Mind you that my husband doesn't do any of that for me either, which is probably why I got so hurt. But he says that she's like a real-life Barbie, and he expected better for her. Side note, I have brown hair, green eyes, opposite of Barbie, and now I'm hurt. There are so many layers to this, honestly. We were in a cult-like church, and he was getting desperate, so I truly believe that he settled so that in the back of my head, I think he wishes he had the Barbie. Am I the problem? Whoa, there's there's lots of problems here, hon. <laughs> so, oh, Eesh. Sounds like husband made a comment and that evoked an entire uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> Just the, the three-hour version of each one and the, the double a, a last one. Um, and maybe that story comes, she comes by those stories naturally because her husband's just not great. But if you find yourself, so am I the problem? Yeah, I mean, kind of. Um, but also it sucks that he's like, she deserves this, this, and this. And you're looking at your husband like, uh, you don't do any of that stuff. The fact that you couldn't say, uh, honey, you don't do any of that stuff tells me there's more challenges in your relationship because you're not able just to call it out. So if anybody finds himself in this situation, I always advise, unless somebody's not safe, let that situation pass because nobody wins if you go to war in that situation. I know people are like, you got to address it right then. That's dumb. It's dumb. But you need to go out and take your husband to breakfast or lunch and say, hey, you said some things about your sister. I feel like you settled when you married me. I feel like you said she deserves to be wine and dine, but you don't ever wine and dine me. So maybe I don't deserve it. And put that stuff out there. Put that stuff out there because it's circulating in your relationship. I don't know. What do you think, Kelly? Yeah, I think the same thing. I'm, I'm very curious about the part where she said they were in a cult-like church. <laughs> yeah. And that she felt he felt like he had to get married. Uh-huh. I can see where that would maybe think like, so I was just available. Yes. But we um, just have a very hard conversation, I think. Yes. Um, so I don't know that anybody's a problem here as right. much as, but I will say this. Everybody, I did it this morning. Waking out of bed, waking up out of bed this morning in that little haze. I start. I thought I had a thought about work today and I just went down a road. Like, I don't want, I can't even freaking. And then I started laughing and go, nope, not doing that. And I didn't have to yell or anything. I just said, stop. And I got up and went and did my morning stuff. So stop with the, oh, he just settled. And then this, and then this, and then this, and then this. Dude, don't do that. Don't do that. You're just going to make yourself bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. So just have the hard conversation. Does that sound right? Yeah, I, I think that's really all there is to it. I think the whole thing's a problem. Yeah. All of it. But dude, by the way, I mean this with all due respect. Your husband's talking better about his sister than you. Y'all should probably have that conversation. Hey, see y'all next time. Love you. Bye.